Welcome to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives, a podcast series that brings you developments in the Canadian securities industry and potential impacts facing CIBC Mellon's clients and institutional investors active in the Canadian market. I'm Marianne McKenzie, Vice President Relationship Management, and I'm really excited to host a deep exploration of a theme that's received almost universal attention, the future of work. We're going to talk about employee motivation, the rising importance of human capital, remote work, hybrid work, and indeed the very future of the physical office itself. There's so many competing perspectives, but we'll also bring you some areas of consensus and then try to leave you with some good questions worth asking. So we really look forward to exploring the future of work with you today. The last year and a half, we've seen tremendous industry attention around fundamental questions as to where we work, how we work, was a very rapid shift to remote work. We've had so many interesting questions and really tremendous interests. With me today is Richard Anton, our Chief Operations Officer here at CIBC Mellon. We'll also bring in insights from several other experts from our global enterprise and beyond. The podcast will include clips from an event we hosted on human capital in collaboration with CIBC. That's right. I absolutely agree. We have a ton of material to unpack today. So I'm going to start off by offering up front to our clients that we know today's discussion is going to drive a lot of great additional discussions, and we really look forward to that. We will share some comments and themes from an industry discussion that we held with a number of leading Canadian investors. We want to start with a theme that has come out in many of the conversations that we have had. This is an amazing inflection point, a real turning point in the way the world works. It's incredibly rare for so many different organizations to be facing the same challenge all at once. Across industry sectors, asset managers, pension plans, insurers, and across geography by city and around the world, we are all dealing with an ongoing shift. I heard one of our resiliency experts say the word, unprecedented is probably the most overused word in the past 18 months and rightly so we also recognize that the environment is shifting we have direction but we are reserving the right to continuously improve our approach and have a very fluid model let's start with a few really core questions that we asked here at cibc mellon and that i think leaders and employees across our client base are also asking The same three basic questions are, where do we work? How do we work? And when do we work? These seem like basic questions, but they imply a lot. For example, how much choice will employees be permitted? Before the pandemic, most employers expected employees to be in the office most of the time. After sustaining remote work for more than a year, questions are emerging around like, Are we functional? Are we optimal? Are there certain types of tasks or entire jobs that are more suitable to remote or in-office work? What will it be like when some people are remote and others are actually in the office? What is the relationship between culture, collaboration, and employee connection to the company look like? What is the role of the physical office in helping people stay connected going to be? And should organizations let employees decide 
when to come into the office? Or do they set some boundaries around schedule and rules? And should it be left to individual managers and teams? So many interesting questions, Rich. I understand why our clients are looking into this. The type of work, the type of culture, and even the location will matter. A company with a large office footprint in an expensive city like us, whose team has long commutes like you and I, will likely see greater upside to reducing an office footprint than a smaller organization outside the large city centers. So let's get started on this topic. Um, I think we should start with some core research around human capital. So earlier this year, I had the chance to host a really fascinating discussion around human capital, and we're going to share some clips from that discussion. The event was focused on the concept of human capital, how investments into motivating employees can actually pay big dividends. The human capital index thesis is actually very interesting, Marianne. As leaders, we really do say things like people are our most important asset. But I'm happy to say that if the CIBC team is involved in one of the more interesting attempts that I've seen to turn that sentiment into actual investment alpha. The research findings are a great place to lay the foundation for the question of what factors make remote work work. So the first discussion features Bill Bamber. He's the managing director at CIBC Capital Markets. In Bill's role, he heads up CIBC Wealth Solutions Group. It also features Dan Ariely, who is co-founder and partner at Irrational Capital. Dan is also a leading behavioral economist, author, entrepreneur, and a James B. Duke professor of psychology and behavioral economics at Duke University. So let's listen. I know, uh, Dan, you've had some very interesting experiences during the last year and a quarter or so. We're in very unusual times. What have you discovered during the uh, global pandemic in terms of human motivation and, uh, and, and similar kinds of uh, attributes around that? If I think about the main lessons, I think they're about the importance of trust. But the sad reality is that if we had trust in governments, and some kind of motivation, we would have been in a very different situation, right? It's really put a lot of stress on common good, on basically caring about each other. It's an amazing thing about how we failed in terms of our reaction to COVID. So I think failures of trust have been one. Another very interesting one has been the importance of autonomy, also connected to human capital. And we're also finding you know, the importance of social connections, depression. A really surprising thing is how everything can become politicized. How can something like a virus uh, become a political issue? You think then that with this potentially pivot towards and embracing uh, support, etc., that there is a advantage for companies who are able to adapt that as part of their culture, their corporate mantra? And does that dovetail well with your past research in terms of human motivation? One of the things we did, we kind of doubled down on research on companies during COVID. And the results show that everything that was important, more important now. The same thing is true for everything we discovered about the relationship between how companies treat their employees, how employees feel about the company and the financial implications for those companies. 
nothing has changed. Everything just became more important. And it's a little bit like, like kids. So imagine that you have a kid in the class. In the class, the teacher can say, you know, stop fidgeting, sit on your chair, read this book, and you have some control. You put the kid at home with Zoom, they can turn the teacher off. So now the importance of intrinsic motivation is dramatically, dramatically more important. The same thing is, is happening in, in the workplace. You know, when we all worked in the same place, you could look at what other people are doing. You could be in a meeting, you could see what they're doing. But now when people are at home, there are two important things. One is home is not easy. It's not easy to work from home, especially if your kids are at home. You know, people don't have the same setup. They have more distraction refrigerators, but also family members. So you actually need more motivation to work from home during COVID. And then all the other things that were about, you know, supervising people, um, getting them to be in meetings and so on are gone. So the importance of intrinsic motivation is increasing. Dan's insights about the importance of trust and motivation really speak to our experience at CIBC Mellon. Employees still talk about how powerful it was for them when we sent them home early and well in advance of the government requirements. They felt trusted and protected. This speaks powerfully to the importance of motivation. I also heard Bill mention that there are advantages for companies that gave employees clarity and direction. As Dan said, the importance of how employees feel they are treated have always been important but they became even more important during the pandemic. We invested into people's home setups, gave them flexibility, and I agree. Home is not easy, but our teams have really pulled through. One thing I also really appreciated was when Dan talked about how hard, but also how important it is to say thank you, and how the move to remote has taken away many of the physical things we do to communicate. Let's play that. There's some other things that are becoming tougher in this period. Okay, for example, saying thank you. Think about, you know, we don't, we don't stop and say thank you like that often. But in a meeting, you can, you can have a nod. You can tap somebody. You can, you can do a high five. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do without like a formal thank you. The physical world allows for lots of informal interactions, all kinds of feedback mechanism. The world in which we communicate digitally is much more functional. It's much more about what are the things we need to get going. Uh, you've probably noticed that uh, people stick to agenda in meetings much more. And you get to finish the meeting, right? Like in, in, in before, before COVID, how many meetings did we ever get to the end of the agenda? Not that many. Everything is more functional. Everything is quicker. Yes, it has some advantages. Some of the disadvantages are that it's harder to say thank you. It's harder to feel appreciated. And the last thing that we, we found in the COVID research we did um, was that people who don't talk much, their voices are even less pronounced. So imagine we sit 10 people around the table. Some people are big talkers. Some people don't talk that much. Some people talk very little. But you notice the people who don't talk. You notice that the people who don't talk and they have some pressure to voice their opinions. And if you think about group is about listening to all the voices, what happens when you don't listen to all the voices? And 
in digital communication, very easy not to, not to participate. Just think about your last big meeting and ask yourself how many people participated zero? Quite a lot. So all of those things are things that were always important. It was always important to listen to all voices for anything that has to do with creativity and moving forward. It was always important for people to feel appreciated. It was always important for people to have intrinsic motivation. Just the intensity has gone up. And I suspect that given that the workplace will probably change and there'll be some hybrid model of working at home, working from the office, there'll be some more autonomy on the side of the employees, the, the importance of these things will become higher. Terrific. Yes, I, I recall reading a comment by you that we often operate like we've got a, a limited number of, of thank yous or appreciations uh, to give, and that's not the case, and it costs one nothing. That's a, great, uh, that's a great point and a great reminder for all of us. Dan's insights about meetings and how we work really speak to what I see and what we do. Meetings are more functional, and I know the way people deal with virtual meetings and the way you run them are totally different. Dan's insights around the rise of being functional also speak to why we have been successful at CIBC Mellon, and also maybe why we have succeeded when some other organizations have struggled. We have some natural advantages. For many employees, our work is typically transactional, highly suitable to be done or processed. We have a lot of operational team members carrying things out that don't need a lot of debate. We also have a lot of long-serving employees among the more collaborative roles. We have a long history, lots of existing cross-functional relationships. People know and trust their peers in other departments and feel comfortable going to them. Some of this has been about our investments in human capital, and some of it is about our technology. With workflow tools, we can collaborate at scale, pass work along, and people don't need to call their managers to stay functional. They can just click a get work button and flow tasks through the system. We've been able to disconnect collaboration from connection. That has benefits here. Employees can call their manager about things that are important to them, challenges for help, not give me something to do. I agree. Remote meetings are really different. As a meeting chair, you almost have to be more like a talk show host than a party host. You can't just set everyone up with a great location, great topics, and have them talk. You actually need to call on people, plan ahead, pick your topics. One note that Dan talked a lot about was seeking out and listening to all the voices. Some of that's already pretty deeply embedded in our culture. Our company naturally has a lot of very specialized people with very deep expertise. So we have a history of seeking out that voice in the wilderness, you know, to listen to their expertise. As Dan says, listen to all the voices. So when we have a meeting where the majority agrees, but there are one or two holdouts, we do take the time to hear those voices because often we found that those are the voices that come with the specialized expertise. They may have come from another client, from their industry work, or their own functional knowledge. We have a reputation as a high governance culture, and I think that's been really well earned by encouraging people to speak up, to call out potential challenges or implications or opportunities for improvement. 
I think that that culture has really served us very well in this remote environment. Um, a lot of specialists with deep expertise who try to listen to each other. I also really liked Bill Bamber's point at the end. We often operate like we have a limited budget of thanks, but we really need to find ways to do that, share that recognition. This point is really critical. People have worked a lot of hours, worked very, very hard, and they need to see some appreciation for that. Most of our senior team had the ability to work remotely, and for a few years across several of our teams, we had engaged in desk sharing, where, for example, two employees would work from home a few days a week, sharing a single desk with one or two other colleagues. Absolutely. We, we had a number of our early adopters of remote work and desk sharing in my group. Employees who put their hands up agreed to move to partially remote and proved they could be just as effective working remotely. Desk sharing produced a number of benefits. It reduced our real estate space requirements and supported a better work-life balance for the employees. We had been expanding the program based on its success pre-pandemic. So we had a good foundation and tradition of remote work that really sets us up for success when we had to move so rapidly to send everyone home at the start of the pandemic. We also had the benefit of the BNY Mellon Network. We have colleagues in Asia and other areas that experienced the full force of the pandemic weeks or even months before it arrived in Canada. We had real insight into what was happening and that gave us the insight and the direct experiences so that we could act very quickly here in Canada. Again, it's not one size fits all though. We are working hard to incorporate multiple employee experiences across our entire organization. Some people feel they are more productive in the office and they actually do wanna come back. Likewise, I think we can accept that there are some groups that are more effective when they work together just based on the nature of work they do, like a trading desk or a brainstorming session or a team huddle. I'll give an example. The other day I was in the office and I walked down the hall and I ran into our CEO. And within a matter of minutes, we're developing a solution just like that. Even just the basic idea of being able to walk around and have random interactions, take the temperature of the team. Different companies are going to have different experiences here. One way that has shown up is in the different sectors and performances through the pandemic. Rich, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I think it was a really interesting conversation. So for all of the listeners, you can look forward to much more from CIBC Mellon, including white papers, events like our Governance Week, and more. If you would like to discuss a summary of the industry themes we're exploring, please contact your relationship manager. They'd be happy to help you. And we look forward to supporting you in the months and years ahead, as always. For more information, including CIBC Mellon's latest knowledge leadership on issues relevant to institutional investors active in Canada, visit CIBCMellon.com. Thank you for listening to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives. <music>